Hey, St. John. Welcome to the Post-Sermon Podcast. I am Deaconess Dahlia, and with me today is Pastor Adam. Hey, Deaconess. So today we're discussing the sermon from this past Sunday. Let us know, or remind us what the reading is and what it's about that you preached on. Yeah, we're continuing in Luke chapter 12, and this is uh, Luke's version of, of Matthew 6. And we get the, therefore, you know, do not worry about your life, what you eat or drink, your body, what you will wear, and, and so on. And so you get some of the famous verses like, have no fear, little flock, and and then you get a bit of a, a parable at the end, and just the reminder that the Son of Man will come at an hour you do not expect. So it's a lot more teaching from Jesus. And I think one of the challenges with the reading is there's just so much being said. Uh, Jesus has a lot of different points to make here. There is a lot going on in this reading, and actually, if it's okay, I wanted to real quick spend some time on the second half of the reading, which is a parable, correct? I think I think so. Do we or, call that a parable? I don't know. I, I mean, I think so. And uh, yeah, you get this description of the the master of the house being gone and servants who are being faithful or unfaithful in their in their work. The here submitted question is focused specifically on verse 39 of that reading, and I'm going to read that to you. But know this, that if the master of the house had known at what hour the thief was coming, he would not have left his house to be broken into. How does that verse fit into the rest of the gospel reading? That's a great question. Maybe that's why I kind of avoided it, because I'm not entirely sure (laughs) in the sermon. Uh, So let's see here. The next verse is, of course, verse 40. You also must be ready for the Son of Man is coming at an hour you do not expect. And so looking at the immediate context, we see, right, it's, it's a master's house. And you have servants who are entrusted with the care of that house, keeping it in order, and so on. And I think Jesus is reminding us that this world and creation, it's his world. It's his creation. It's his house. It's not a surprise to God when it's the end of the world. It's already been set. It's already been planned. I think it's kind of Jesus' reminder here that this is not, you know, uh, the wicked aren't going to steal this from God. Uh, It's not going to be a shocker to him. But to us, yeah, it might feel like a thief in the night. The Son of Man comes in an hour you do not expect. That's why his servants in the house be faithful in your task. Uh, In the the first watch, the second watch, the third watch of the night, and so on. Uh, It's... Uh, it is always now to be in service to the Lord, not, well, maybe I'll get to it at some point. Yeah, that's really interesting. There's just this focus on being ready for when the Son of Man is coming. And it's interesting because the first part of the reading is talking about how we're not to be anxious. And it seems like there's more, would you say, comfort in that first half of the reading? I think so. I, that was one of the thoughts I had throughout the week in preparing for the sermon was, what is Jesus's tone? How is he speaking to his disciples here? Is he being kind of scornful? Don't be anxious. Or is it, you know, uh, don't be anxious, little flock. It's it's going to be okay. Yeah, you could almost take it either way, right? When you read it. I, I, yeah, because, you know, you don't get more context other than, and Jesus said to his disciples. And so you just don't know the the tenor of that. All you have is the words that are said in kind of the context that's there. And to me, I took it more as this, as this consoling voice because we are going to be anxious. We are going to have these cares and concerns and these needs. And our Father knows that we have them and need these things. And so in the midst of that, when it's the second watch of the night, when it's the third watch of the night, wondering, will our Lord return? Will it be okay? 
our Lord's answer is a resounding, yes, it will be okay. Trust me. So that's kind of how I thought through the, the, the tone of the reading. So then getting to your sermon, what was its central teaching? Uh, the central teaching of the sermon is, it really comes down to the, the final statement of the sermon when I said, friends in Christ, take heart. This Jesus is yours, for you are his, uh, for now and for all of eternity. Uh, no matter what is going on in the reading, in the sermon, and in our lives, Christ belongs to us because he has made us his own. We are his sheep. He has, he has taken possession of us, and we belong to him. And that is certainly true. And just to, and just to trust that and to see that all the way through, that's, that was really the central focus of the sermon. When you were saying that, it reminded me a bit of Psalm 23 and the comfort of just being one of the sheep of, of the good shepherd. Yeah. Yeah. And so that, that language, the Lord is my shepherd. You know, what's the, what is the sense of the word my? It's not that, you know, I own the shepherd. No, it's I belong to the shepherd. He is, he is my shepherd. And because of that, I, I shall not want. Yeah. And yeah, Psalm 23 certainly applies in here. And we sang, have no fear, little flock in one of our services. And yeah, it works. Right. And that goes back to verse 32, like you had said earlier, fear not little flock. You you can see that Jesus saying that in more of a comforting yeah. tone there. Yeah. And I, I think that would be the tone, not a, not a chastisement per se, or maybe a, can, can you, you know, graciously chastise or just, guys, it's going to be okay. You know, kind of a tone like that. I, it's interesting to kind of think through that as you work through these readings. How is Jesus talking to his disciples? So what was the problem that the sermon sought to identify? The problem the sermon sought to identify was to acknowledge the reality of these troubles. There are things that we are anxious about, you know, our, our time, um, the, the fear of death, the fear of being abandoned by our shepherd, and so on. And as I contemplated the tone of how did Jesus speak these words— I did wonder how many of us really actually hear Jesus for what he's saying or just like, okay, Jesus is talking. And that's where I kind of got the politely listen idea. Okay, I'll listen to Jesus because, you know, it's Jesus and I should, but I really don't believe what he's saying. I really don't trust it and take it to heart. You know, these are beautifully comforting words. You know, do not be anxious. Well, how can he say that? He's God. He's got everything all figured out. Like, but I, I don't I have reason to be anxious. That is interesting. And I like that question you had asked at the beginning. Does anyone here this morning know how to politely listen? Because how many of us have heard something like that? Don't be anxious. And we're just like, okay, easy for you to say, right? Yeah. So of course we would do the same thing to our Lord when he says, do not be anxious. Like, well, but you're God. <laughs> right. Yeah. But it's, it's different here though. Yeah, and that's kind of what led me down the journey of how I constructed the sermon was to play off some of those ideas, and can we actually hear Jesus for what he's saying? Uh, one of my favorite verses in the reading was verse 25, and which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? You know, great question. Uh, the answer is, well, none of us. We cannot create time. No matter how productive we are, we cannot create time. And then go to verse 26. And that's the verse, yeah. If then you are not able to do as small a thing as that. So for the Lord, that's just so small. Yeah, how, <laughs> how awesome. How tongue-in-cheek is that? That Yeah, yeah. Uh, for Jesus, that is a small thing. I can create seconds and minutes and hours and eternities. And you can't do that small thing? 
Why are you anxious about the rest? And again, how do you hear that question? How is Jesus speaking? Is it just scorn? You know, is it, uh, is he making fun of us or rather just tenderly saying, guys, you can't even create time. I can, it's going to be okay. I am your shepherd. I have set these things. I have not abandoned you little flock. I mean, in a way, do you think it's God almost tenderly putting us in our place as creatures, right? I think so. That there's just comfort in being a creature and not the creator, the one who is clothing the grass. Yeah, I I think that's a way to put it, tenderly putting us in our place. It's just, you know, it's not just, you know, God just rebukes or God just pours out love. It's, no, like, creature, you're a creature, and that's okay. I am your creator, and I've set these things. And some of the language even reminds me of the passage in the book of Job where God finally answers Job and he asks him all these questions like, were you there when I, you know, set the stars in its place and did all of these things? Um, Though I don't know if God had the same comforting tone or if he was trying to put, but he was trying to put Job in his place there. Yeah, I think but, it might be neat to compare that instance there at the end of Job, right? God comes in a storm, and that already kind of conveys a connotation. Yeah, so it seems right? a little different than this, right. but or, similar yeah. things, I don't know. Yeah, or you think of Elijah, and you get the, you know, God wasn't in the in the wind or in the fire, or the earthquake, but he was in that still small voice. You know, we have these encounters again and again with God and his people throughout scripture, and, yeah, and, it, and God will handle it in different ways and in different tones. And that's part of reflecting on, on specifically Jesus here in Luke 12. I wanted to reflect that in the sermon. I just didn't want to be like, well, you guys, you're anxious. That's sinful. Christ died for that sin. Amen. Like that, that it just did not seem to fit what Jesus is doing here in the reading. And, and that was kind of my hope in the sermon was more to uh, better kind of come alongside and, and commiserate together that I do know what it's like to politely listen. I do know what it's like to feel like I have no time, and, and, and on and on from there. And thankfully, this Jesus is still mine, and he is still yours, for he has made us his. I wanted to comment on your sermon structure, too, that this one at least really resonated with myself, and I don't know if maybe other members feel the same way, but what you did was you took certain verses, um, you, you would say, you would read the verse, and then you would say, essentially, law and gospel, and then after you finished a short section on that, you went to another verse and then did law and gospel. And uh, I just, I really like that and wanted to know maybe how you decided on that structure, why you did that. Yeah, so this is a kind of a, a verse by verse sort of structure. I didn't go every single verse in the reading. It's a, it's a longer reading, but uh, the, the nature of the, that kind of sermon structure is to really just, here's the text, here's what it says now application, now connected to my life, connected to the hearer. And it's a very deliberate process. The challenge with this structure is to uh, make sure there's continuity, right? This is not like your your study Bible with footnotes. You know, you read a verse, you look at the footnote, you read a verse, look at the footnote, and it's all disjointed, and it makes for miserable reading. That's not helpful. Uh, the sermon is not meant to just share fun facts. Uh, the sermon is meant to to deliver Christ, to proclaim the story, to actually have a continuity to it centered in Christ. And so that's why I was kind of selective with the verses that I did and then kind of building on my reflections, they kind of build up 
one after the other. And which is why I said, what was the focus of the sermon? It was that very last sentence, which summarizes the whole thing that friends in Christ take heart. This Jesus is yours for you are his. Very good. There are a couple of different things I wanted to bring out from the reading and go over what you said in your sermon. The first from verse 31. So seek his kingdom. So what exactly did Jesus mean by seek his kingdom? Uh, The word kingdom is an interesting word in the New Testament. Uh, In Greek, you can have these words that have, you can have a noun that has a verbal meaning. Um, And so I'm trying to think of a, you know, like swimming, for instance, right? Swimming is a noun, but when you imagine the word swimming, you think of the person actually in the water, you know, paddling and doing whatever uh, method of swimming there is. The word kingdom, I think for us, is a very static word. In English, we think of a place, we think of a building, we think of a territory. But the Greek word implies ruling and reigning. And so when Jesus says, seek his kingdom, it's seek the reigning of God. Seek how God is going to do his kinging work and reclaim his creation. And so when we say, you know, thy kingdom come in the Lord's Prayer, for instance, it's not just, hey... Um, time to build the castle, but rather, God, do your kinging work, which is reclaim this creation, restore this creation, rebuild what has been torn down, rescue us from the domain of darkness, reclaim the territory. And so this idea of seeking the reign of God, it's, it's a very active image and finding God in his work to, to restore and rescue the world. And this is namely done in, through word and sacrament. And beyond there in our service and vocation to the world, we are subjects and servants of the king. And it's, it's hidden, so we can't see it with our, our eyes. Yeah, it, it, it's hard to see uh, that this is actually happening. You know, and this is, you know, this is what causes us the anxiety, right? That I do have things to be worried about. It doesn't seem like... Uh, the church is victorious. It doesn't seem like, you know, the world really believes that Christ is risen and acting like it. And it can be easy to be one of those servants that kind of nods off during the middle of the night. It's not worth staying awake. To be one of those servants to abandon the expectations of the master. And Jesus is reminding us God's reign is coming. It is active and it's already here. And where it's most clearly visible is in the word and sacraments. It's in the worship service itself. You also, in your sermon, you called us little faiths, yeah, which I really liked. And going back to the the tone that Jesus isn't reprimanding us necessarily. Um, but do you want to go into detail why you decided to 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 call us little faiths and what yeah. that means? Yeah, and so it's you get a substantive use of uh, of an adjective here and. Um, it's not just OU of little faith, but it's this idea of, of a little faith. It's, it's, a, it's a thing. It's a person. And I'm in the moment trying to turn back to Matthew. I think in Matthew 16, this comes up again. Um, this is what came to mind. Let's see. Oh, yeah. Uh, Matthew 16, starting at verse 5, it says, When the disciples reached the other side, they had forgotten to bring any bread. And Jesus said to them, Watch and beware of the leaven or the yeast of the Pharisees and Sadducees. And they began discussing it among themselves, saying, we brought no bread. <laughs> I mean, just great. The disciples are just not focusing on what's going on. Jesus is not talking about actual bread. He's 
talking about the this, this teaching in the in the misdirection of the Pharisees and Sadducees, and then Jesus, aware of this, said in verse eight, "O you of little faith, why are you discussing among yourselves the fact that you have no bread? Do you not yet perceive? Do you not remember the five loaves for the five thousand, and how many baskets you gathered? The seven loaves for the four thousand, and how many baskets you gathered? How is it that you fail to understand that I did not speak about bread?" Beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and Sadducees. And then they understood that he did not tell them to beware of the leaven, but of the teaching of the Pharisees and Sadducees. So you get another instance of this little faith's comment here. But I think those two scenes have a bit of a different tone. I think here might be a bit more on the long lines of rebuke in Matthew 16. But in Luke 12, in context of what else is going on, I think it's more an endearing sort of term. Um... It might be something like, you know, in, in a family, like, ah, oh, little brother, you know, is something like, um, I don't know, just kind of a, an endearing sort of, you know. Almost like addressing like a child, someone maybe. younger. Yeah, I think it might be good, kind of like addressing like a child. And that's kind of how I thought of it. And I wanted to kind of turn that on its head. And especially in light of just a few verses after, oh, oh, you have little faith, as it reads in the English, but, you know, little faiths. And then a little bit later, you get fear not little flock. And how does Jesus regard his sheep? How does the shepherd regard his sheep? Right? Yeah. And I just wanted to also mention little faith, something that that struck me during the sermon, which is how the other two readings, the Old Testament reading and the epistle reading, both had to do with this faith that we've been given. Um, The Old Testament reading was about the Lord coming to Abram in a vision and saying that he was going to, um, he was going to have, in in, he was going. I'm sorry, he was going to have offspring and his heirs would be as numerous as the stars. And he believed the Lord and he counted him as righteousness. So we have faith there. And then going to Hebrews 11, faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. And so this little faith, us being called that, look at the riches that comes from that faith that's been given to us by Christ. Yeah. It's pretty cool. I don't yeah. know. Yeah. And so I think it'd definitely be a recognition of, yeah, we are weak in faith. And also what God gives us is way more than we could ever need. And it's certainly enough. Yeah. It's, it's both of those realities. Yeah. And then going to that focus of your sermon again, that Jesus had made, has made us his so all that is Christ is now ours, right? And just we're now his, like we've been given his righteousness. We are his righteousness. And just, uh, I don't know, it's, I, what am I trying to say? Just that all of these, these riches, this treasure is ours, even with this, even if our faith is just this flickering candle that a gentle breeze can snuff out, like what you said in your sermon. Yeah, and, and it's the Spirit, it's the one that keeps it aflame, right? Calls, gathers, and enlightens us by the gospel. And sorry, and sorry, I'm going back to weak, weak faith again, but when Sarah found out she was going to have a child, her reaction was laughter. She laughs. Right? And then in Hebrews, we still have her faith in, in verse 11 saying that she, you know, by faith she received power to conceive even when she was past age. So just the Lord is very generous in what he gives yeah. to us. Yeah, the generosity of our Lord. Yeah, I, I love that. Even with our weak faith, yeah. Yeah, even with our weak faith, even in our anxiety, even in <laughs> uh, 
uh, servants not being the servants we should be. Fear not, little flock. Exactly. And when we when we pray the prayer, Lord, I believe, help my unbelief, knowing that that prayer is heard and answered. Yeah. It's so comforting. Where did we find the sermon's teaching in the small catechism? I think the main place to turn would be the Lord's Prayer. I made reference to it later on in the sermon about thy kingdom come, uh, about temptation and deliverance from evil. What about give us this day our daily bread? I think that's entailed in there. I I, I didn't want to... I didn't... no, I think that's entailed in there. I didn't mention daily bread explicitly, but yeah, I think the Lord's Prayer is embodying this Christian hope that uh, we think of the the cycle, the catechism, the commandments reveal God's will. We do fall short of that. We sin. And so the creed is a story of God saving us and restoring us as new creations in Christ. And now we pray, God, help me to live faithfully. Help me to live in sync with your will until you return. And so the Lord's Prayer is embodying that waiting and reality as Christians which is why we have concerns of daily bread. This is why we want God's kingdom and will to be done, because let's bring in the end of the world. Let's get this set. Uh, and, oh man, I still struggle with sin, and I still struggle with forgiving my neighbor, and I'm still led in temptation. There is still evil. Lord, deliver us. And so I think this reading, and the hope of the sermon is kind of an embodiment of the Lord's Prayer, was kind of the idea I had. What was a challenge for you with the sermon process? I think for me, my initial thought when I was going through the reading and translating was, okay, I guess I just have to pick one or two of these verses and just, there's just so much going on here. And even with the, I love the question about verse 39 at the beginning of our podcast was, I, I, I don't know, I didn't want to touch that. You know, <laughs> um, There's a lot happening in readings like this and it's and often I'll just, okay, we'll just focus on this sliver of it. I was like, well, is there a way to expand it and cover more of the reading without it just being Bible study footnote? And so that's kind of why I went about the way I did. I do have one more thing. Uh, uh, I wonder if you noticed Deaconess or maybe anyone who uh, heard the sermon. It sounds pretty, the sermon itself sounded very familiar to one of the services for the O Antiphons we do during Advent. Uh, This kind of style um, comes from a, a chapel service I heard at the seminary. And I've, and I've used this for some of our years for the Oantiphons. And I bring it in and out. You know, we take a few years off and come back. And so it always, each section begins with, the, is there anyone here this morning? And he goes into similar sort of things. And it ends with a similar sort of refrain, you know, brother, sister, take heart. And it has a gospel proclamation. So I, I was kind of using that as kind of a, now I got a question for you, Deaconess. Is it homage? Is it paying homage? How do you pronounce the word? I say homage. I say homage. So... Anyone out there in listener land? What's the wants correct to, way? I don't know. Anyone out there listening want to let us know what you think? But yeah, it was for me. It was an homage. Um, maybe for Deacon, this was homage to uh, you know, that kind of way of going about it. And I just love that reflection. And as soon as I started thinking about, uh, yeah, what are those times when we politely listen? And I thought about first of, is there different ways we listen to Jesus? And that was going to be a thought for the sermon. And that kind of got me down the rabbit trail, and I couldn't help but getting a, you know, Dr. Oswald's words in my mind. Does anyone here this morning? Dot dot dot. And so I was like, well, I just kind of pay some homage to that. My final question, then, just to wrap up: How did you intend to benefit us in our faith or life from your sermon? I think my hope was to try to embody the tone of our Savior in in this reading. And to assure my hearers of it really is going to be okay. Our shepherd 
he hasn't abandoned us. This Jesus is still ours, for we are His. We can still take heart, like you said we, earlier. We can, we can really, we really can take heart. So that's that was it was just meant to be a, a a large encouragement in that way that things are still set in Christ. His heart still beats, so our hearts they're going to beat one day as well when we're raised from the dead. We can still find rest even in the midst of all this anxiety and and stress from not having enough time or whatever we may be dealing in life. We will be delivered from evil. Yeah, or uh, we really have permission to take Jesus at his word here, if you will. That's maybe a way to think of it. Well, this wraps up the episode for today. Thank you for listening to the discussion. In case you missed today's sermon or you'd like to listen to it again, the link to the sermon is in the show notes. You can also find it on our church website, stjohndublin.org. If you, the listener, would like to submit a question about a sermon, please email us at podcast at stjohndublin.org. We love our questions, right, Pastor? Absolutely. Well, thank you again, Pastor Adam, for joining me and for feeding us the word this week. Homage. 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 I don't know. Let us know, you guys. Yeah. All right. Thanks, Deacons. All right. Thanks. Bye. Bye.